Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, that's not kind of productions podcast. Lady Mouse. 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 We have a very intense episode for you today. Um, If you do not want to hear about gun violence on a firsthand account, please don't listen. You know, protect yourselves emotionally for those who are staying. I am very excited and proud to introduce Kaya De Laverne. Um, I'm not even going to give an account of what she went through. We're just going to start. Kaya, hi, how are you? Hi, uh, good, how are you? <laughs> good, good, thank, thank you so much for being here. Um, guys, uh, you might have heard the episode from two weeks ago with Kim, who spoke about uh, Mom's Demand. She lives in Sandy Hook. We talked about common sense gun laws. She introduced me to Kaya, and Kaya was kind enough to talk to me today. So, uh, Kaya, I'd like to know uh, if you don't mind sharing. On October 23rd, almost five years ago now, you were in a very traumatic happenstance. And are, are you comfortable sharing it here with us today? Uh, yes, thank you for asking. Um, thank you. So on October 23rd, 2015, my life changed forever. Um, I was at a friend's house and we were just sitting down to watch a movie when we heard banging on the front door. And my friend went down to see who it was. And then we heard banging on the back door. That's when my friend, he went downstairs to see who it was. And then I heard three loud bangs. Um, Next thing I heard was a man, someone coming up the stairs. And then a man I had only known for 21 days, um, someone I thought was my friend, was standing in the doorway with a gun pointed at me like this. I shook my head no, and then I, he fired. I laid back on the bed and I pretended to be dead. I didn't breathe or move until he left the room. At that point, I took a big breath and I got on the floor and I tried to call 911, but um, there was not service in the house, the area I was at. Oh my God. Couldn't understand me. This is in Anchorage where there are areas in Alaska. Yes, Anchorage, Alaska. Yeah, it's in downtown, but there's um, like spotty cell service. um, Oh my gosh. Pretty much around everywhere. Um, So. I uh, I tried to call 911. They couldn't, like, track me or anything. I thought 911 could track you. I guess what? not. Yeah, they, so I um, wrapped a towel around my head. I grabbed the window blinds and I put God. it up and then I jumped out the second story window. <gasps> and I landed safely in a bush. And then oh, I saw thank God. run out the house and um, 
get in his truck on the side of the street. And then I saw, and I hid behind the bush and I saw him drive by. And then I got up and I was trying to flag down cars and I saw like maybe three or four cars pass me, but no one would stop. And then I finally got in the middle of the road where, um, Lou, um, he stopped and I didn't know him beforehand, but, um, now our families are connected. And of course, thank you, Lou. Oh, yes, thank you, Lou. He stopped and he got me in the car. He um, called his wife and 911 and everything. His wife came down because um, it was just up the street from their house. Um, I couldn't speak or anything. So I started signing my name in sign language and they understood me. Um, and then the cops came and like all they wanted to know was basically what happened. They didn't like I was worried about my friend inside. I said, my friend's inside, like, go help him. Like, what and they didn't do anything. And then um, I got in the ambulance and basically like, once I got in there, I asked, like, was I shot? Because in my head, like, I was like, no, I didn't get shot. Like I was in shock. And then they were like, yes. And then I went black. And the next thing I knew, I was in the hospital and in the emergency room and the police took my phone right away. So I had no one to call. I had no numbers, no one. Oh God. And my mom was in Japan still. So I remembered my aunt's number because she had the same number my whole life. I called her. She was in Seattle, Washington, and she had to call my get a hold of someone because yeah. happened on a Friday night. And I was basically alone in the hospital for like over 12 hours oh, until someone could like get to me because no one was picking up the phone or whatever. Um, so was it really uh, at the time when it was happening, you were in shock, but you did have moments of clarity, like to sign your name, which is insanely smart. Oh my gosh. Look at yeah, you. I, I learned sign language in kindergarten and I remembered it to like that point. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So you said the cops weren't really helpful? Um, or they? Because they knew it was an active shooter. I think they were really more worried about oh. the, the man because after he left, we found out later in court that he went home to his parents' house. And they let him take a shower and wash <gasps> off everything. And they he lied to them. And then he finally told them, basically, like, yeah, they were shot. And he told them to leave. And then the mom asked the dad, like, oh, do you think it's true? And then the dad said, I guess we'll see if the cops come. And then the cops came at, like, midnight or something. And he was posting on Facebook, the man who shot me the whole time, the uh, that he yeah. was co- threatening to come back to finish the job, that... Uh, <gasps> Oh my God! Was that we got what we deserved? That, right? Yes, yes. It was. It was in court. Um, you got what you deserve. What? What? Oh my God! And um, going. And he was on a fifteen-hour manhunt, basically. Oh my God. And then they had to shut down the hospital, like all the highways and canine. Uh, military police were out, and they finally got him. Canine got him. And oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is intense. What, what, how did you feel when it happened? Were you thankful you were alive? Well, when, when he walked in the room, I was like, why? Like, how could a man I thought was my friend? Because we'd only met each other three weeks prior and we were, you know, hanging out, friends, whatnot. And then that same day he was at the house prior hanging out and then he left and then the next time we saw him he came back and shot us so I was what really was the like motivation do you know like he saw he, you with your guy friend he, was he, he jealous? was yes he was jealous he he got obsessed with me oh and my God. nothing was going on between either me or my other friend and he got obsessed with me and 
basically just decided that I shouldn't live anymore. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Um, now, uh, how did you feel like the first month? I, I mean, how was your recovery? I know the cops are all obsessed with getting the guy and that's wonderful, but I, I want to hear about what you went through. What, how right. did you feel? So I was only in the hospital for, um, three days, um, wow. because it went straight through and out, um, took my eye with it. Um, so did it go through the back of your skull, the bullet? Yes. Yeah, so it went in right below my um, eyebrow right here. Okay. And then it went uh, out the back of my neck um, right below my... Um, so that's right above your sternocleidomastoid. So and like a muscle. millimeter from my spinal cord. <gasps> oh my gosh. And it could have hit the artery there too. Oh, right. Wow. Right. You, that, oh, that's great. That it didn't do you any other lasting damage except, of course, for losing an eye. Well, um, I still I deal with cramping every day from the muscle because it got a hole in it, and now it'll um, from the exit wound, and it'll never recover basically. So the so, big muscle here. Yes. So it's I'm called the sternocleidomastoid. It's responsible. I'm sorry. I'm a massage therapist. It's responsible okay. for laterally, you know, flexing your neck on both sides. And it's a really thick muscle and that got a big chunk taken out of it. You're saying? Yes. The so it has muscle. essentially when the bullet exited, it created a hole and it'll never fully heal is what I was told. You get massaged? I, 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 I did before COVID, yes. And that's the only way I was basically out of less pain because I've been basically in pain since, <laughs> since it happened. So. Oh, I'm sure. Maybe after this, I could teach you some uh, uh, moves for your fiancé. Um, yeah, I, I could. I, you don't live too far from me. Once COVID's over, if you ever want to meet me, me and Kim, like hang out, I will gladly massage your neck for you. I'll yes, massage all the muscles around <laughs> it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had no idea that that was... I didn't mean to get all anatomy nerd here. I'm sorry. I didn't... No, I didn't know what it was called at all, so it's good to oh. know. <laughs> well, yeah. No, well, now I know, and I could I could, I could, could send you therapies for your fiancé to do. Oh, that's exciting to me. I'm sorry, because I just want to <laughs> help people when I massage, and I didn't know it was all muscular. Yeah, so it has, like, a... like when it's really tight, it gets a big lump over it, like a stress muscle knot, uh -huh. I guess. And then oh, because um, muscles, what, why muscles get stress, any kind of stress, physical, mental, emotional, just like our teeth, our muscles get plaque. And that's mm. essentially what knots are. So knots, it's just plaque building up. So you need constant like flushing of the plaque. Yes. You need a toothbrush for your neck. Which I am. <laughs> so it went through, do you still have, did your skull uh, reshape? Uh, so it went through the occipital. Um, oh, the, the occipital muscle? The, the occipital. The, like where it can like. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Yeah, this whole area is called the occiput. Uh, and it's good that it, it the avoided. Socket, so like it bounced around in there and then went out. That's why it didn't hit my brain or hit um, I was anything just going to ask. Wow. Yes. Did you feel it ricocheting in your neck, essentially? Mm -hmm. Did you feel any of that? Uh, at the time, because he was still in the room, I, don't, I didn't really feel anything because I was just holding my breath and trying to make sure he didn't um, shoot oh me again, gosh. basically, because at the trial, we also found out that 
um, my friend downstairs, he shot him three times and then he had an iron and he beat him with like the iron to the point <gasps> where the plastic broke off and like the, um, the metal part broke off and then he choked him with the thing. And then the only reason that basically like my friend survived is because he poked him in the eyes to get him off of him. And then I got out in time where he could get medical care because they had to pull him around like the block to get him out because he was like, the cop said that um, my friend was basically like about to pass. Oh my gosh. And and he's living to this day and he's- He's, he's living, yes. We're not in contact, but he is living and last time I talked to him, he was doing well. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, and yeah, we were about to, I was about to get into the trial. I'm sorry. I just wanted to see your mindset first. So besides learning about the shooters, uh, what he did to your friend at the time, is there anything else you took from the trial that you learned? Yeah, so like I said, he went to his parents' house after and they let him take a shower and wash off all the blood. We also found out that his parents kicked him out that day. Oh, wow. So... It was probably that he wasn't really like. So he probably had some kind of thing going other on. Other rage. Yes. Yeah. Which is the reason why that he put that on us, his friends. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, this is, and he was like about 18, 19 too. This he was 20, 21. Yeah. 21. So, wow. Yeah, you know, he was the oldest out of all of us. And then also at the trial, he used heat of passion defense and he tried to make me the villain saying that it really? was. Really? After one minute of seeing you after an open door, I, I, I'm pretty sure the jury didn't buy any of that, right? No. So he was sentenced to um, 81 years and he was convicted of two counts of attempted murder and some lesser charges. 81 years. So yeah, that's but he was convicted actually of like 100 and 160, but then he had a few suspended, like a lot suspended. So well, hopefully he won't live to 100, but... They can get out and what, like a third, get pro up for parole in a third, and then they could be up for it in two or something. So, so you're going to be could, at every one of his parole hearings. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. 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 Yes. Excellent. I, Are you gonna... I spoke at the I spoke at the sentencing hearing, and I also I will be at every parole hearing. And then at sentencing, he had twenty plus members from his parents' church, people who didn't even know him, speak on his behalf where the the prosecutors could only have myself, my, the other victim, and then our parents. So basically the only people that spoke on our behalf was myself, Connor, the other uh, victim, and then my mother. And wow. then they had 20 people speak. We came into the courtroom on the first day of sentencing, and there was basically not even enough room for my family and me to sit because they brought in so many people. All these fake um, people to try to make a show about the whole thing while the yes. victim just sits there, you know, humbly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I didn't listen to any of their. I um, wouldn't. Their I would have. Besides, like, what I wanted to hear, which was his yep. and the parents. And he, for me, it felt like he was crying, like, not real tears. Yeah. Because making. he was making it all about himself when he said his statement. And then wow. he's like, I'm sorry that I took, I took your eye. I'm sorry I made you feel like this. I'm sorry I'm in jail, basically. I'm sorry I made you feel like this, Kaya. What? After you could have pleaded guilty and put us, not put us through three weeks no. of trial. Exactly. No, because I'm sure the parents who kicked him out, like, we'll get a lawyer. Rah! You know, and then the lawyer made up all this shit because that's what defense attorneys do. Yes. 
And then, so the trial actually um, took almost three years to get to court because he would push it off and push it off. So my life was basically on hold and my mom's life and like our whole family's life because we were living in Japan at the time. So we were kept having to like pause things and see if we were going to go back. And then he would file another motion to try to prolong it. Unnecessary trick. Yeah, that's an old, but did the judge see through it eventually and be like, yo, get your shit together. You're going to court now. Basically what happened was, is that I filed a civil suit because I was tired of him keep pushing it out. And then at that point he stopped (laughs) keep filing it and made us go to, made us go to court. So that was two and a half years later. And then the sentencing was in October, basically three years to the day. Did you stick with the civil suit and sue him Uh, too? The only reason I filed that was just to um, get him off his ass. Yeah. To get, take back the power. Yeah. Because I was tired of him always basically controlling me from court. Yeah, but of course. He applied to the civil suit is basically what happened. So it just kind of ended there. Okay. So now I'm sure just him being in prison is not enough to make you happy. So why don't you tell me all the wonderful work you and your mom do now? I'm sure your fiance too, right? Or your support system. He's supporting me. Yes, he supports yeah. me in everything I do. He brings me to the speaking opportunities and is there um, supporting me and whatnot. Um so now I am a Survivor Fellow 2020 for Every Town, which basically means I'm a trained spokesperson for gun wow. safety. I just got that this year. And then I've only been involved with moms for a year and a half. Oh, um, are you so, a mom or just, no, I'm, or just going I'm as a survivor? Yes, survivor. Uh, my mom. So right after I was shot, my mom... She hosted the first Orange Walk in Anchorage, Alaska in December before we left. And that was the first time there's ever been any like moms organization or gun violence um, prevention there. So now they actually have their own chapter. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. And then I lead a team on Twitter for the Moms Demand Action DC. Excellent. And you live in DC now. Yes. Is it easier just to get all, I mean, I guess you're constantly working there now, right? Yes, yes. What kind of reform are you trying to bring about uh, exactly? Um, Tell me about the nature. Yeah, so for me, I started telling my story because I felt really alone after I was shot. And I, because my mom whisked us away to Japan back to where she lived to take care of me. But there's not really that many people who have also gone through um, gun violence over there. So I didn't have like like a support system like I have now with uh, fellow survivors and people have been trained in talking about trauma and other stuff like that. Does that make you think real quick? Um, because that, that, that says volumes to me about our country, like the fact that we need all this here and mm-hmm. other countries just don't can't empathize as much as we can because of all the gun violence we see right. here. Japan, there is no gun violence. It's very safe. I've lost a phone there, and it was to return to the police station where they sent me a letter to my house to go pick it up. Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, let's see. Japan is on my list of countries to expat to then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what else would would you like to say? I mean, what do you want to really put out there? Um, Basically, what I think would help our country the most with gun violence prevention is if every single gun sale had a background check on it. And right now it may seem like that's the law, but it is not. 
the current law has lots of loopholes, including the three-day loophole, um, the private show loophole, and the private sale loophole. Yeah, Kim taught me about that. That's crazy. Yeah, so I think that, and many mass shootings could have been prevented if they're, because lots of the mass shooters have their guns legally. So they could have been prevented if there was a background check on every gun sale. So that is what I think that would save America the most and be like the most, I guess, important step. But I also think that a lot of cities should have violence intervention programs. Can you tell me about them? Yeah, so in D.C., we have the violence intervention programs, which are people who have uh, who have returned citizens from jail or they have been like in the in the street life before. And they are now employed by the city where they go out in the city in like high risk areas of gun violence. And they go and they talk to the people who would commit the crimes or are at risk to be have a crime committed against them. And they go and try to defuse the situation before it happens. So they're literally stopping violence before it happens. That's amazing. You do amazing work, Kaya. Um, I can't think of any more questions. Oh, you said that um, in Japan, there was less sympathy there. And you said there have been people blaming you. Can we talk about that a bit? Yeah, so I would... Japan, um, just because I lived on a military base and they have like a small town mindset. Okay. So I was gone when it happened. I left Japan three months earlier to go home to my home state to attend college as a freshman year. And then two months after I arrived in Alaska, I was shot. And then I stayed in the country, America, for basically two more months to get healed and then get my fake eye made and everything. And then we went back to Japan and so everyone knew the story. So they they thought that I did something to cause the man to shoot me. And I've heard that a lot from a lot of people. They ask, oh, oh, what, what, what did you what did you do to make that happen? Like, what what did you do to make that happen? I'm like, nothing. There's yeah, nothing yeah. no no victim can do to make someone shoot them. Like, I don't care what they do. You can't make someone shoot you. Thank you very much for saying Your that. Your own choice. <laughs> Exactly. And as your episode, you know, is about your survivorhood as well as others, you know, and this man specifically targeted you. And that is not a story that is uncommon, unfortunately, especially in a patriarchal society. You know, yeah, fuck (laughs) the patriarch. Totally. I mean, I'm not a misandrist, but I there's a lot of oh, just fucking men, too much man shit going on here. Yes. Especially with rights for women. We've had it rough in in every country, pretty much. Yes, and especially to, since heat of passion is still a defense. Can, they, now, do you want to do anything to overturn that kind of defense? Can you get rid of a defense? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully. One day. <laughs> Can't you have a Kaya's law saying heat of defense is not... Don't you want a law named after you? Always. Always. <laughs> I'm really trying to change the world on the low. Like I can't, I can't tell everyone that, but <laughs> no, good. I want, I want you to. I want to hear your fucking name, like years from you know every year. Kaya's yeah. doing this. Kaya's doing that. I'm sure Kim will keep me abreast because you seem like you're gonna be busy as you grow. And and did you when you uh, went to college? First podcast here. <laughs> really? Oh yes, wow! This is the yeah. first podcast, so. Oh, gosh, I hope I'm honoring you and what you've been through and stuff. I want you to say whatever you want. This is a no-holds-barred, you know, free talk. 
natural conversation kind of podcast. Like I'm sure you'll have lots of like news interviews and, and, you know, really professional stuff, but we'll see. my dinky little podcast, you could say whatever the fuck you want, Kaya. So if there's anything you still want to get out, I mean, what would you say to, because of the patriarchal society and what would you say to women survivors or women victims, you know, that are trying to cross that threshold from victim into surviving and then thriving? Because it's so hard to climb that ladder. Well, for me, as soon as you get up off the ground, you're a survivor. That's amazing. That's what my um, my godfather told me uh, right after it happened. And I, I 100% live by that. I think that as soon as you have survived the situation, you're not deceased because of it that you are a survivor and everyone has their own challenges and everyone has their yeah. own like path they have to take. For me, um, a month, for a month after I was shot, I had to cover every single mirror in my house because my face was swollen and I couldn't recognize myself. And like my whole face was swollen and bruised. Oh. And oh, gosh, so I couldn't cover every mirror. I had to cover every single mirror in my house and I didn't go out the house for for months on that day on the 23rd because I was convinced it was a cursed day so oh geez and then that movie 23 came out I'm sorry I keep referencing 23 is everywhere it's my hockey number as well so it's a whole thing really oh wow my 23rd year was actually one of the best years I've had did you get engaged on your 23rd year no, I got engaged this year. I'm 24. Oh. So. <laughs> oh, still, it counts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. What kind of things happened in your 23rd year that made it the best year that you can tell us? I, I got involved with Moms Demand Action. I started sharing my story with other people. Um, I ah. spoke at Wear Orange, which is a weekend where it takes place nationally. And I spoke at the DC where it warned where Shannon Watts also got to speak the founder of mom's demand action. Oh yes. Yes. I've read about her right after uh, Kim told me everything. I started doing research. So that's amazing. So that's when you really started healing and then speaking up. Yes, so that is a fantastic year. I really couldn't really couldn't move on until after the trial because my life and the sentencing, because my life was basically on hold on for that long. I've heard that yeah. a lot too. Yes. You know? So basically for three years, my life was on hold. And then afterwards, like I really felt like how I just like started healing more. Like I accepted it more at the sentencing. The judge actually stated on the court record, this is not Kaya and Connor's fault. A lot of people tried to make it seem like they were the bad influences on his life and they were the one that made it happen, but it is not their fault. And at that point, that's when I cried. Yeah, yeah of time- course. Everyone's been saying, like, not everyone, but a lot of negative people and a lot of people have been saying, like, oh, what did you do? It's your fault. Like, you did something to make this happen. Who the fuck would blame you? I don't get that shit at all. I'm sorry. I'm outraged. Who blames a victim? You didn't have a fucking gun. You didn't take your phone fucking eye out. But let's blame you. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. Sorry. It's so stupid, but yes. (laughs) That's um, all I say. You are so when did you find when did you finally take the sheets off the mirror? Uh basically once my bruising and swelling had gone down. Because like every time I'd see the mirror, I would basically cry. And my mom said we need to cover every uh, all of them. No, that was that's nice. And you you're fine. I mean, you're beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, did getting used to the eye 
take some time or are you just totally used to it? No, it took a lot of time. Yeah. I was really self-conscious about it for a few years. And then... Oh, yeah, because your one eye looks around, but that one stays stationed. And then people get... Do they get, like, a little intimidated from it? Like, I've looked at fake eyes all the time. I have no problem. I don't think people know. And then when I tell them, they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened to you. You don't look like someone that would happen to. What? What? I don't get that statement. You don't look like that would happen to you. What is is a gun violence? We all look different. I know, right? person in this country. There are 300 people every day that are personally affected by gun violence. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe we just need a lot more re-education about Yes. And I mean, if people are going around education, yes. Yeah. If people are going around saying shit like this and they're really just lost, you know, do do you know how to empathize with people? Do you know how to, well, uh, anyway, I am really honored you you spoke with me today, Kaya. This is amazing. It it took me a few moments to like, remember to catch my breathing because I'm just, I was enraptured. It was just so intense to hear what you went through. And it's, you know, to see you thriving like this and educating, it's it's wonderful. Thank you so much for being such a great contribution to not only survivors and victims, but women as well. Because I feel like women need to hear all of this, you know? Yes. Well, because there, there are so many warning signs for a lot of different trauma situations or like now I can sense abusive people. And I'll be like, man, that guy's abusive. I know, I can see it. Like, I can see the abusive tendencies from people. Yeah, Yeah, so I'll call it out all the time. And I'm telling people, like, no, that person's abusive. Like, he's going to do something. Like, you better, like, watch out. Yeah, Yeah. unfortunately, there's so much toxicity here because people don't want to help themselves emotionally, you know? You could kind of just sniff it. Like, no, good for you. You got that filter. I'm sorry you had to had to go through what you did to get that filter. Cause you know, at 19, we don't have that fucking filter unless yeah. you re- really evolved <laughs> as a soul. But right. yeah, no, it took me a while to recognize toxic shit. Anyway, Kaya, I can't wait to hear what you have to do. Please keep me abreast or I'll bug Kim. I wanna, I wanna find out where you're speaking and what you're doing in DC and stuff. And um, yeah. for Kim, we, we, you know, we stressed uh, mom's demand action uh, for her. What would you like to stress for your episode? Every town or aren't the orange TV? Uh, yeah, every town. Also, mom's demand action. Either group, just like get involved with any really advocacy, gun violence advocacy prevention group, and then just be kind to people because you don't know what kind of trauma they've been through, and you don't know until you talk to them and actually hear what they've been through you know (laughs) i completely agree thank you so much kaya that was wonderful thank you for having me oh thank you it was all my my honor uh can i have one more question for you i usually ask everybody at the end i don't know if you want to do it but it's the hardest question it's not considering what you've been through (laughs) all right kaya can you roar for me Roar! Yay! Thank you, Kaya. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and everyone. Remember at Lady Mouth, we don't dislike dudes here. We want to hear what you have to say, too. Thank you for everybody for listening to Kaya De Laverne. You will probably most likely hear a lot more about her as the years go by. And please consider her words today and think about 
your town and, and you know, what kind of preventions for being a victim of this you might have. Um, thank you for listening to Lady Mouth. Uh, Kaya, thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Yay. Bye, everybody. Bye. When was the last time you watched a Disney movie? No. When did you really watch one of their early movies? My name is Jen. I started rewatching every one of the Disney animated feature films recently, and watching them with a modern eye made me say, oof, right in the childhood. Join me every Monday to learn the history behind each of these movies. And then, after I talk about the history and trivia for that movie, I'll summarize and react to my experience watching it as a modern feminist. Every week, you'll learn something, you'll laugh a little, and you'll realize that your Disney-steep childhood was rife with hidden sexism, racism, classism, ableism, and more. It really will make you say, oof, right in the childhood. Uh, that's not kind of Productions podcast. And now, a Lady Mouth Minute. All the shit we forgot in the episode we just recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kaya, um, what else... So uh, you asked me, um, so Connor, the man who was also shot, he was beat with the gun, the bottom of the gun, so bad that the bottom of the gun fell out and all the bullets fell out and everything. So because it was so beat. So I guess like when he came upstairs to shoot me, there was only one bullet in the chamber is what came out in trial and that he had to like cock it back and pick it up or something. I don't remember him picking it up or anything like that at all. And then wow. he said that that's when he shot me. And I'm like, why would you bring this detail out in trial when you're, so you're bringing up details that people didn't even remember, like the, the survivors, the victims, whatever, the witnesses didn't remember, and you're still bringing up more details? That's so. why, he, that's a big reason of why he got guilty, because he offered up information. His lawyer, I mean, I'm not trying to be on his side, but if his lawyer was had a fucking brain, he'd say, don't tell people unnecessary details that the victims don't remember. Don't but take the stand. He deserves yes. it. Yes. And he then the, de- the prosecutor, she um, she was amazing. She she would record him when he was on the stand. And then when she was proving the points of what it what it would be to attempted murder, she used his own voice recordings to play it back to be like, yep, he did say that and he was guilty of that check. And then a check mark would go up on the little like closing argument thing. I'm like, that's so <laughs> <laughs> he sounds amazing. Are you allowed to give out her name or? Uh, I mean, her last name is Sherman. She was a, a DA in Anchorage, Alaska. And now I believe she's with the federal prosecution. So she, that's she got amazing. a job. That's all I wanted. Yes. Yes. Good for her. So that's amazing. Um, and was that everything? Is there anything else that you might remember just to, so we can tell people everything? Um, yes. So for a month after I was shot, I also couldn't eat because the jaw, the muscles in my jaw moved to the, after the shooting to the point where I couldn't open my mouth. And so I had to go to a physical, I lost like 30 pounds. My mom was like freaking out because I kept losing weight and I had to go to a physical therapist. She actually was amazing. She was an Iditarod, um, sled dog racer and she had a really incident happened when she was racing sled dogs and there was a CO um, leak in the tent that they were in provided by the Iditarod and they dragged her out and left her for dead at one of the posts and then she got back on her 
she got back on her sled and basically booked it to the next thing because she could hear people talking about her like leave her dead leave her dead and then so she got and got to the next post and then she was saved and then now she is a physical therapist who helped open my mouth and told me that story and was like you're amazing like you're a strong woman and oh, I'm a strong woman and basically it really resonated with me at that point Oh, of course. You're going to have that with you forever. And you're only going to get even stronger and stronger. I'm sure when I'm 75 and you're 20 some, uh, 50 something, there's going to be, so I'm going to see the change, you know? Yes. Yes. And I'm going to get to look back from, at the, sorry. Oh, I already see the change from, um, last year to this year. It's like incredible. Just the amount of change I've made in one year. So I'm just like, wow. Yay! Where's it gonna go from here? <laughs> That's awesome! Yay! Oh my God, you—it's so inspiring. I mean, guys, Kaya just said it. See the change. Maybe yes. we should. Yeah, we. That, that's what I'll call this lady mouth minute. See the change because we can all see that. Exactly. Okay, I guess Yay. that's it. Thank sorry. You, <laughs> and, no, no, no. Sorries, never sorries. And that was a lady mouth minute oh or loudy mouth minute whatever (laughs) (laughs) imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 